1: Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to the How Social Are You podcast, where we ask the question, are we more or less social because of social media? This is Mark Lindheimer, and you're listening to podcast episode number 18. Today, we welcome Reverend Michael Faulkner. He's a New York City mayoral candidate, a pastor, an author, and an ex-NFL player. I'm really excited to learn more about his campaign and his background and his use of social media on the campaign. So get ready, everybody. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Michael.
2: Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be with
1: you. Well, thank you. I uh, I really appreciate your coming on with us, and I'm really excited for our listeners to get a chance to hear your story. Uh, you and I connected on social media, on Twitter. I was really intrigued uh, by your candidacy for mayor of New York and, you know, your messaging on social media and, and the positive, uplifting, and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, very timely message that you have for that city, and I'm I'm a big fan of New York. I've been uh, even though I live in L.A., I, I go once or twice a year for business, and love the city. And you know, definitely, uh, you know, it 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 uh, it's not what it has been in the past. So I'm excited for for your candidacy. So welcome to the podcast, and
2: Thank um, really
1: appreciate your coming on.
2: Thank you. You you know, I, I I discovered years ago that rather than me having to visit my friends whoever they were, wherever they were in the world, I just had to wait long enough for them to come to New York because everybody seems to come through New York at some time or another uh, for business, for, for vacation. But this is the, uh, I, I really believe this is the capital of the world or certainly one of the world capitals. And it's a pleasure to be able to share it with the world. And that's a, you know, that's a huge responsibility that we have as New Yorkers. It's not just our city, it actually belongs to the world, and we are stewards of everything here, the culture, the infrastructure, the day-to-day, the restaurants, all the life of New York is part of what we present to the world and and our responsibility. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty daunting task, and I'm up for it.
1: Oh I know you are. I know you are. This is uh it, it couldn't be uh better said than than you know New York is the city. It is absolutely the city and you know I've always enjoyed visiting and and uh, even thought about living there at one point but I uh, you know it's it's uh a little bit expensive. Um, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well i i appreciate that so let's let's take a step back uh michael let's let's uh, give the listeners a little bit of your background your history i've been on your website and your facebook page and man your your background is just so impressive your you know everything that you've done in your life has had you know it's. It seems to have had purpose and meaning and, you know, one step after another. So why don't you take a few minutes and give us a little bit of your background and, and take us up to today and, and your candidacy.
2: Sure. Well, I, I grew up in Washington, D.C. and went to Virginia Tech on a football scholarship and then finished my college career and tried out with the Raiders and Redskins, then went back the next year. And tried out with the New York Jets and made the Jets. And that was in 1981, 82. And it was coming to New York then that I fell in love with this city. I lived with a family in the South Bronx and it was a pastor and his family. And, and, and I got a chance to see up close and personal what it meant the term urban ministry, uh, it, you know, in the context of, of sharing the love of God. In this urban surrounding and urban setting even as a professional athlete it was just it was amazing and then i i left and went back to washington uh, got married married my family and went to and ended up at liberty university in 1985 where i was assistant dean of students and then was promoted to vice president for urban ministry at liberty and that was a great experience because I got a chance to hang out with some of the global leaders and certainly shakers and movers in that generation. Uh, I was part of uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. was actually a mentor for me. was was a great man. Uh, was a pastor and and showed me a, a great deal concerning politics and. But really, more of the interpersonal skills of loving people, no matter what your differences may be, loving them with the love of God, and that's what I brought to with me. And then in 1988, at the quote-unquote pinnacle of my career, but it was it was actually the beginning. I had started doctoral study and uh, at the University of Virginia and was moving up the ladder, so to speak, and in higher education administration. And I, I just sensed the calling to come back to New York, to leave the ivory tower and come back to New York uh, to the Times Square area, to Times Square. And that was the old Times Square, dilapidated, burnt out buildings, drugs, prostitution. It was just, when people see Times Square now, it, it they really, really have a hard time imagining and picturing how bad it was, but it was the epitome of urban blight. And but I I loved it. You know, I, I served the poor. I, I I fed the homeless. I washed the feet of those who were needed. That I bandaged the wounds. I did all the things that ministers are to do in that setting. And I, I loved it. And it was it was a it was my life calling. And then I moved from there a year and a half later to another church in the upper uh, in midtown, and then eventually. Pastor the church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and enjoyed all the things. And and during those times, I also worked with several different uh, political campaigns, uh, including Rudy Giuliani's campaigns and Michael Bloomberg's campaigns and and uh, George Pataki's campaign. So I worked with with anyone that was that was running that I I, I felt like I I agreed with. Uh, I am a Republican. But, you know, I, I've also worked with uh, with Democrats from time to time on different issues. In new York, uh, you know, 10 years ago we left that church and we moved to Harlem where I started the new church and have been there ever since. It's called New Horizon Church and started a not-for-profit and done a number of different things over these years. But my primary focus has always been serving. And that's why I I came to New York. And that's what I've been doing for the past 30 years is serving the people of the city. I want to run. I am running. I want to be the mayor for the city of New York, because I believe that God has uniquely equipped me to serve and to love people where they are. Now, I'm, I'm not just, you know, just kind of hanging out and, you know, holding hands and singing kumbaya. I believe that we need to have principled leadership that that focuses on jobs, on education, on tax reform, on making things better so we can move New York forward. I believe the culture and the ambience of New York can only be enhanced, but it's diminished right now because of the plaguing issues that we face. We don't want to be in this situation four years from now or five weeks, because it's an unsustainable model. The property taxes have gone up. It's an enormous increase in property tax. It is beginning to squeeze the middle class out of the city. New York does not want to become a city for the very wealthy who can afford to live here and the very poor who can't afford to go anyplace else. We don 't want a city like that. we need desperately need the middle class, and that's what i 'm running for. I am running to represent the middle class and to preserve the middle class to preserve the culture, the beauty, and the ambience of New York for all generations.
1: That was a wonderful synopsis of your background uh, michael i I you know what what resonates with me is your your belief uh, in the people of New York and love, uh, is an extension of your entire journey. And that, you know, that powerful force of love, you know, love is the most powerful force, you know, bringing that to the city of New York, bringing that to the people of New York, you know, is a powerful message, but the nuts and bolts of it, you know, jobs and tax reform and, you know, uh, making the city more accessible are really key points. And I, I couldn't agree more. I lived in Chicago for four winters and uh, you know, to live in a, a major city, you know, like a Chicago, like a New York, you know, they have, you know, there are, there are certainly issues across the board, but you know, the, the, the most glaring ones seem to be common across, you know, major cities. And, you know, I think you bring a really refreshing approach. And I love that you've been uh, woven into the fabric, your life has been woven into the fabric of New York over the last 30 years. And that allows you to tell real stories of what you've seen, you know, from the ground level in Times Square, uh, prior to its renaissance. And, And, you know, it seems to me, and maybe you can speak to this, that you've you know, your, your life in New York has sort of paralleled the life of, of, you know, Donald Trump in terms of being there through the last 30 years in New York. And, you know, that calling of wanting to do more for the people of New York, wanting to do more in his case, for the people of the United States, and, and really the sacrifice that's involved in that is really impressive. So, you know, I really appreciate your sharing that story.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it is it is important. And, and we, we there, there has been a lot of parallel in the sense that I, I am a New Yorker. Uh, I have a New York attitude. And I have New York values. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I value all people. I value the dignity of all people, the worth, their intrinsic worth to the, the whole landscape. And I, I get more excited about that, Mark every day that I'm campaigning, every day that I'm out there, because I get to see it in action. I, I've knocked on 6,000 doors. I've, I've crisscrossed the city. I've got more doors to knock on. I, I've talked to thousands and thousands of New Yorkers. And I can honestly say I feel like I know the city. And I don't care what a person's ethnicity is with their 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 political persuasion or uh, their, their socioeconomic status or their or their, their their sexual orientation it doesn't matter to me what matters most to me is healing new york and i want to work with anybody that wants to heal new york and that's the theme of my campaign it's unity is our destiny and it it is imperative that people understand we have got to be very selfish and very focused on maintaining the the structural and the cultural integrity of New York. New York has always been a place for hardworking people. It's always been a place where if you had a dream and you were willing to work hard to bring that dream into reality, you could have a chance to do that here in New York. New York has always been that place that's been accepting of dreamers. I'm a dreamer, but I'm also a pragmatist. I'm a pragmatic worker that that understands New Yorkers. I, 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 honestly, and I I, I I know I'm boasting a little bit, but I would say the work ethic in New York, most people, it, and every time I say that, in every crowd I, I'm in, people go, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I, I work a job, and I call it a job and a hustle. Everybody has a job and a hustle. You have a, a job and something else you're doing to get to the something else you ultimately want to do or be. It's part of us. And social media is a big part of that, Mark, because social media connects all of those worlds together. It connects us and in in New York is one of those places. I think, you know, I, I, I it's one of those places I think where truly speaking, the social media and the our reality, so to speak, outside of the social, you know, the chat rooms or the, 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 the blogs or the, you know, outside of the cyberspace, we can come together in a, almost in a seamless fashion in New York because there's so many people living here in such a compacted area. Believe it or not, it doesn't take a long, long time to get around. I mean, the subway system, yeah, it can, can it be improved? Absolutely. Is it the best in the country? I think so. I mean, there, there's there's so many stories. And the reason that I'm so desperate to win this election right now is because I feel like we've got to save what is New York right now. We cannot slip further behind. We've made some amazing gains and amazing strides forward. We don't need to go back now. We've We've had a huge increase in the last... 14, 15 years in our taxes, and that's squeezing out the middle class. We've, we've had a diminishing return on our education system in that the problem is the students that are graduating from our public school system are ill-prepared, most of them, for the world of work. We've got to change those things. We've got an ongoing problem, a struggle with police community relations. And I put it just that way. I think the best crime solvers in New York City are citizens. And the best way we can empower citizens is connecting them to the police. And we love our cops in New York. I think NYPD is the best in the world at what they do. And most people in New York City, listen, everybody's, there are always exceptions. People are going to have problems with the with the police, but I think most police really enjoy doing their job they enjoy doing it they enjoy doing it professionally and they we just need to embrace them we we started the blue ribbon campaign for police officers i wear blue ribbon wherever i go and it's for police community unity and we ask for three things we want affirmation of our police officers appreciation for the job that they do and then accountability, holding them accountable and we as citizens being held accountable for being better citizens so that we can continue to have our city continue to improve.
1: I, uh, I absolutely understand what you're saying, Michael. This is, uh, it's so important for, you know, the community to come together with the law enforcement to ensure the safety and beauty of the city and that's a great program. I love that Blue Ribbon program. And you mentioned social media, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested in your take on social media. If you could share uh, what your first experience on social media was and, and then how social media has uh, evolved for you personally and then as part of your campaign, I think uh, that'll be really interesting to hear from your perspective.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, so there, there's there certain things I'm not great fans on and, and social media, the, the, it takes so much of your time and your day and the people around me think, wow, this guy's obsessed with his phone, but they don't understand I'm working. You know, it's it's work to stay engaged all day because it takes, you know, literally an entirety of a day to kind of stay updated and, and so on all of the platforms. But my first experience was... Uh, I I decided to, I I ran for Congress in 2010 against Charlie Rangel here in Harlem, and immediately after I started my campaign, there was, the the, the earthquake had had taken place in Haiti, but, and so I, I went to Haiti as a, I don't want to say first responder, but as part of a, a, a missions effort to bring relief to people who were suffering there. The, the airport in Port-au-Prince wasn't open yet and so forth. And so as a way to keep people engaged in what was going on, I started tweeting. I started my Twitter account then, and I was tweeting pictures and and posting things and, and, and just totally engaged. And it gave the people in New York, or the people who were following me, an opportunity to see and to stay up to date, as, as well as the pictures that we were taking, and to, to, to kind of travel with us because it was a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty difficult time when I mean, we were providing food and, and relief to people who were literally starving and, and trying to bring some comfort and stability to a situation that was really difficult. But the social media allowed the people who were here to stay up to date with what was going on. And that's been the biggest thing that I can say has that, that social media has done for me. And that was then, and now fast forward, I guess six years, seven years later, it continues to be a great unifier uh, and it continues to be very deep up with, but it helps people as they are engaged. now one of the things that i find difficult with social media is motivating people to get out of the passive role of voyeurism or just observing and get into the uh, you know role of participation not just in the social media but actually participating for instance when when we talk to people on social media and say hey get involved in our campaign go to our website and sign up, give a donation, be part of, be an active participant in the solution, it's very difficult to get those messages to translate. Even though many, many people follow, not many people you know, take the following to the next level. And I'm sure you face this with you know, trying to get people to take action because we can be passive listeners or dynamic listeners and dynamic participants. And I think social media works best when we are dynamic participants. I'll give you one example that that I'm talking about. Do you remember uh, where you said we're close to the same age? So I know you remember, I guess it was 25 years ago maybe, Tiananmen Square in in China, the the Chinese revolution in which the, the students actually took to the streets and they were protesting for more uh, freedoms and they stood in front of tanks and so forth well that whole action was done in china any social media all they had was fax machines and cell phones and it was amazing to bring hundreds of thousands of people to one central and and i think wow this took real effort but everybody that got a fax or that heard the story or that heard the news had to take action. One of the things that happens with social media is people are so caught up in looking at what's going on and listening to what's going on, they forget that sometimes you have to put down the handheld device and actually walk out the door and engage with people to move things along.
1: Michael, that is so
2: well put. And
1: that really speaks to you know, sort of the tagline of this podcast, are we more or less social because of social media? You know, that's the question that we ask. And what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that, you know, the passive nature of social media versus the active, you know, uh, participation in daily life is the next step. And, you know, your call to action on a regular basis to your your followers, you know, getting them to actually do something is one of the big challenges because it's easy to just hide behind social media. It's easy to to be, I think you said, voyeur, you know, to just kind of watch or be a drive by in the situation and kind of see what's going on and then go on to the next thing. And, you know, social media is so powerful, uh, it's that engagement element that really requires the effort. You talked about being on your phone all the time. You know, you're engaging with your audience. You're engaging with the people that support you. You're engaging to get them to take that next step and be involved and, and to step outside of the social media realm. And I do believe that that applies across the board to any type of situation.
2: Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's, it, 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 it works in the sense of certain causes have certain social media platforms or certain so, social media groups. And those groups, you know, compel people to, to take action. And so it's a it's a it's it, in many ways, it's a younger person's kind of platform in the sense that they've all grown up with it. So they they don't ever remember a time. When there was no Facebook or there was no uh, certainly cell phone, but there there was no you know social network uh, that was on in cyberspace. While we do remember a time, I I I started a, a group called the New York Youth Leaders Network, and it was the yeah the the yeah the New York Youth Leaders Network, and it and it was a group of volunteer youth workers from the, you know New York City area churches and worship centers that banded together well we had no cell phones then all we had was snail mail and you know we didn't even use fax machines that much because not everybody had one so it was basically snail mail and phone calls and there was no such thing as a robo call unless you set you had people set by a phone bank and you made the phone calls that were ne- necessary but but Here's the the, the positive thing. People read their mail and they took action or they made a phone call and they got information. You may think, well, it was slower, but it was actually more robust in the sense of getting people to, to, to actually take action. However, this big caveat here, what I'm finding now is that people tend to once we reach a critical tipping point within every social group there seem to be a point where action takers kind of take over and it's no longer just looking or passive but they they take they take the action that is necessary certainly we saw that with the political campaigns and we see that with uh, like you were saying earlier, Donald Trump has taken, you know, the social media co- communication to a whole nother level. Uh, one heretofore no, no one even thought possible to engage the, the entire globe around 140 letters. <laughs> you can change the way the stock market responds. You can change the way global leaders do with 140 characters it is amazing now when you when you think about the power of that and that causes traditional media outlets to shake in their boots because it didn't require a press conference it didn't require anything else except a man his handheld device and the millions of people who are listening looking at that at that moment that that tweet goes forth and everybody, then, that sets the tone for the news. Now, everybody's reporting on what was said in the tweet, but the tweet was actually the news. That's that's the the my mayoral race in New York City is really all about New York City. It's not about all the things that you know are wrong with New York City, but it's about preserving all that is right for New York City and actually preserving it. Getting away from bureaucrats and bureaucratic systems and getting to the actual hands-on engagement of business leaders and citizens, stakeholders in the fixing of New York. Mark, that's what I will do. That's the kind of mayor I will be. I will raise the level of engagement for stakeholders in New York City. It won't be passive. It will be aggressive. It will be dynamic. There will be focus groups. There will be uh, social media groups. There will be all kinds of uh, social platforms. People can speak out and people can raise their voice, raise their concerns, and then take action to address those concerns and fix what is broken. But most importantly, to preserve New York, to heal New York, and to move us forward. Yeah. that couldn't be
1: better stated. And I love how you, you wrapped everything around the social media aspect and brought it back to what's important for New York and what's important for your campaign. And, you know, I think it's, your message is powerful and I think your message is effective. And, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate your coming on the podcast, Michael, and sharing your thoughts and ideas with us. Um, I, 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 I have, Great confidence in you and what you bring to New York. And I, I wish you so much success in your campaign. And, uh, you know, I, of course, offered, I want to help you any way I can. And hopefully this podcast becomes, you know, uh, a, a piece of, of, you know, valuable content that can help educate uh, your, your New Yorkers that are voting that can bring, uh, you know, you into office so that you can help uh, achieve your goals and the goals of all New Yorkers. So why don't you share with us uh, how they can find you, uh, your website, non-social media?
2: Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, my Twitter is, uh, I, I have uh, several tweet, Twitter accounts. Uh, one is at Michael Faulkner. I think that's where we met. Mm-hmm. That account, it's Faulkner Mayor Seventeen, uh, at at Faulkner Mayor Seventeen. But then the, for Facebook, it's it's just Michael Faulkner. Our website is robust, and we are trying desperately to kind of keep up with everything that I'm doing and keeping it, you know, posted on the website. But it's Faulkner for NY.com, Faulkner for newyorkcom WWW for New York and that's how people can engage and I, I, I really do look at the posts and the comments and those kinds of things I do it personally I have obviously have some people who help me because we're getting so much more attention now that it requires you know more people than me that can look at things and because things slip by me and so it's, it's exciting but I, I really want people to continue to Uh, like us, like our Facebook page, to move the needle forward by saying, this is a, I don't want to say just a regular guy, but a leader who really believes in New Yorkers and the stakeholders in New York and wants to raise the level of engagement for common stakeholders in New York, giving them a bigger say in what's going on. Because nobody, we all have a, a huge stake in what's going on, but the world is, is watching, and believe it or not, this is gonna be the biggest election in, the, in our nation right now. We just elected a president, now we're gonna elect a mayor for the city of New York, and we have, a, we have a choice between the way it used to be, the way it's always been done, or doing it a new way, and I think I'm the new way, I'm the new face of, uh, of, of, of New York, uh, because although I, re- I represent uh, one political party, I am New York and I have a great capacity to hear and dialogue with other people, even when they disagree with me, as long as we're all speaking the same language of healing, our great city.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful (laughs) wrap up, Michael. And uh, I really appreciate your sharing that with, with our listeners. Um, I'm going to, you know, make sure I do everything I can to get the word out about what you're doing. And um, you know, last election, uh, the presidential election was a change election. And I believe that New York is uh, in for a change election as well. So I wish you all the best in your campaign and uh, look forward to helping you and following and tracking your progress throughout uh, all the way to to victory. And um, once again, thank you for coming on the
2: podcast. Mark, you're so welcome. Anytime. Thank you.
1: So, if, uh, if uh, you're listening to the podcast and, and you enjoy it, please uh, visit us on iTunes at the How Social Are You podcast. Leave a rating and uh, comments are always welcome. We appreciate that. You can also find me on social media at M Lindheimer on Twitter and Instagram, uh, M E Lindheimer on Facebook. And you can also find the podcast on most uh, major platforms, um, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, Google Play uh, podcast. And we're up on SoundCloud now, so uh, a new place where you can access the podcast. So until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you and other great guests soon. Take care.
2: Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at american-giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code gratefulag23. That's 20% off your first order at american-giant.com. Promo code gratefulag23.
0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.